0: Peace Propaganda is a production of the Voluntary Institute, a nonprofit organization dedicated to furthering the understanding of the principles of non-aggression. Visit us at voluntaryinstitute.org.
1: Most people didn't vote for her not because she's a woman they didn't vote for her because she offered no palpable change whatsoever same old shit Trump represents a change, a terrifying change, but a change nonetheless. Hillary represented, well, she represented very little, actually, because she protects corporate interests because she doesn't call the police when questions from the debate are leaked to her in advance. I noticed we barely reported that. Not everyone that voted for Trump is a sexist or a racist. How many times does the vote not have to go our way before we realise that our argument isn't won by hurling labels and insults?
2: There are many who are uncomfortable with what we have created. Great Scott. Planned communities, the programming. Does this make me look bad? No, it makes you look like a
1: tool
2: of government oppression. But not bad. The sterilized, artfully balanced atmospheres. They stand
1: for everything we
2: don't stand
1: for. Also, they told me you guys look like dorks. If that's what we are, we deserve to be the last of the free folk. They hunger for an Eden
2: where spring comes. Freedom, freedom, I can't move. Freedom, cut me loose, yeah. Freedom, freedom,
1: where are you? Cause I need freedom, too. I break chains all by myself. Won't let my freedom ride in hell. Hey, I'ma keep on running cause the winner don't quit on themselves.
0: I was at a dinner party, it was the 4th of July, and we got into a discussion about the upcoming election. People started talking about, oh no, what if Trump wins? Yeah, of course, you understand, I'm, in my life, I'm basically surrounded by um, liberals, leftists, progressives, whatever you want to call it. Most of the people that I know are on the political left, which is fine. Um, I don't consider myself really left or right, and I can't delude myself into thinking that I'm going to be surrounded by anarchists, so it doesn't really bother me one way or the other. But something about this conversation did bother me, and it was a harbinger of things to come. There was other than myself only one other person at this dinner party who was not on the political left. This guy was not in the in the clique, so to speak he was uh he was a brother of somebody who was there and got <clears throat> got invited because he happened to be in town and he is he's a veteran of uh Afghanistan, and I only mention it because of uh, two reasons one. Everyone there knows the guy and knows that he's uh, troubled by what he either saw and/or did during his time in Afghanistan, and it haunts him to this day. And it colors the way that he sees the world. Uh, In addition to that, he joined the military um, not because of any. uh, Well, I don't want to speak for him. Maybe he did have a big sense of duty, but. by his own admission, he just didn't have a lot of options he he's not an academic he's not the kind of person who you can really uh, sit down and discuss the finer points of philosophy uh, and have you know a strong give and take with not a dumb guy it's just not his thing you know what I'm saying I'm sure you all know someone like that smart guy just not his thing so we get into the the topic of politics and it is um have you ever seen uh, on a nature documentary where like a bison will fall into an african river and all of the alligators or are they crocodiles i don't know i'm not <laughs> nature is not my thing the, anyways these giant lizards will swarm the bison and just rip them apart that's what i saw metaphorically speaking of course at this dinner party, it was a bloodbath. It all and it all started very innocently. Um, they were talking and, you know, very um, it was it was just sort of a fait accompli that Clinton was going to uh, win the White House. And anyone who thought otherwise was just not paying attention. And at, at, at best, they were ignorant of the political realities of the of the forces at play in the political world. And at worst, they were actively hoping for um bad. They were they were they were just a bad person and they wanted bad things. Um and it was ugly. I'm here to tell you. It was it was not good to watch. And I don't think I'm alone in having seen some variety of that play out. Um I've, I've heard many other people talk about it. I've read it in the news since Trump won the election. And I think that there is a gradual realization that this kind of browbeating, which is what I've been talking about with social justice warriors on this show for months now, this kind of browbeating in, in, in place of argument is just not acceptable. The idea that You can hold a strong political opinion and put it out there like it's just fact. And anyone who disagrees with you, well, it's just, it's their job to go figure out why you're right. You don't need to explain yourself. Because after all, you just watched John Oliver, Samantha Bee, Stephen Colbert, and the occasional, you know, they they roll them out. Jon Stewart you just watched all of them explain to you why you're right. And more importantly, more importantly than explaining why you're right, because that very rarely happens, explaining why the other people are wrong and not just wrong, but dumb. They're dumb and they want bad things. I'm going to play a little bit more of that clip from the beginning of the show. It's from Jonathan Pye. And frankly, I don't know who he is or what he's about. Um, he's a self professed uh, liberal leftist and you know what that's fine because i got past that video and I, lo- I watched the whole thing and i gotta tell you i agree with essentially all of it um other than a few minor political points that he makes but the but the overriding point that he makes about why trump won is spot on and i'm just gonna let him ride out the rest of point number one of why hillary lost here it is just a couple of minutes long
1: When will we learn that the key is discussion? If you are unwilling to discuss, then you are creating the conditions in which Donald Trump and people like him can thrive. But instead of persuading people to vote, she just she just courted celebrity endorsements and then lost. What's going on? It's almost as if the political acumen of Beyonce and Jay-Z count for nothing. And then she loses it and, and loses the election. And she locks herself in her hotel because she's too upset or because it had never occurred to them to even write a concession speech. Either way, great up. I have no sympathy for her whatsoever. Be a better candidate. <sighs> but the <laughs> thing is, Tim, I can't, say that. I can't say this to any of my friends, Tim. People like me, I, I'd get fucking lynched if I said this because people like me won't listen. I, I did this. This is my fault. Fucking Donald Trump. The left is responsible for this result. Because the left have now decided that any other opinion, any other way of looking at the world is unacceptable. We don't debate anymore because the left won the cultural war. So if if you're on the right, you're a freak, you're evil, you're racist, you're stupid. You are a basket of deplorables. How do you think people are going to vote if you talk to them like that? When has anyone ever been persuaded by being insulted or or labelled? So now, if you're on the right or even against the prevailing view, you are attacked for raising your opinion. That's why people wait until they're in the voting booth. No-one's watching anymore. There's no blame or shame or anything, and you can finally say what you really think, and that is a powerful thing. The Tories in charge, Brexit, and now Trump. And all the polls were wrong, all of them, because when asked, people can't admit what they think. They can't admit what they think they're not allowed to. The left don't allow them to. We have made people unable to articulate their position for fear of being shut down. They're embarrassed to say it. Every time someone on the left has said, you mustn't say that, they are contributing to this culture. It's time to stop moaning. It's time to stop crying over spilt. Fucking Brexit. It's time to stop ignoring your opponents or worse, trying to silence them. It's time to stop banning people from speaking in universities. It's time to stop thinking that reposting an article on your Facebook feed is political engagement. That banning a gymnast from doing what he's good at because he insulted someone's religion somehow achieves something. And sorry, when did the Gymnast Association start thinking it was appropriate to start enforcing blasphemy laws? It's time to realise that reading The Guardian doesn't make you a liberal, that retweeting Greenpeace doesn't lower your carbon footprint. And if my mansplaining is triggering you, you can either fuck off to your safe space or you can engage and debate me and tell me what I'm getting wrong. Because Trump just won the White House. Being offended doesn't work anymore. Throwing insults doesn't work anymore. The only thing that works is fucking bothering doing something. And all you have to do is engage in the debate. Talk to people who think differently to you and persuade them of your argument. It's so easy. And the left have lost the art. Stop thinking that everyone who disagrees with you is evil or racist or sexist or stupid and talk to them.
0: The title of this show is the three reasons why Hillary lost the election or something like that. I haven't actually named it yet. It'll be around there. And that's reason number one. And I think that's. That's the most obvious reason. That's the reason a lot of people are pointing to, and it needs to be examined in a serious way by people on the political left. Am I exonerating people on the right from doing similar things? Absolutely not. I can't tell you how many times I've been accused of hating America or wanting American citizens to die just because I oppose foreign wars of aggression. It's ridiculous. It happens on both sides, but it is uniquely pernicious on the left. At least it has been for the last few years, maybe the last decade or so. This idea that anyone who disagrees with you is just beneath your contempt, not worth engaging. That's the first reason. That's the first reason that Hillary lost. What's the second and third reason? Well, people have a very short memory. They don't remember. There's no cause and effect. I studied history. I have my uh, BA in history and it may come as no surprise to you that cause and effect is a big part of studying history. You can't just you can't just look at isolated things. You can't just have be only forward looking and to try to figure it out. That's why the, all these prognosticators got the election wrong. Look, I was calling Trump was going to win the very week he announced his candidacy. It doesn't matter they're not handing out prizes for guessing that. But there's a reason I knew he was going to win. Social justice warrior, the PC police—that was part of it. People are sick and tired of it. Now, am I saying that the the backlash against it is gonna is gonna be a good thing? No, no, I'm not. I, I've already seen some very ugly stuff. The, you know, the, the metaphor of the pendulum, the political pendulum, uh, comes to mind. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how that's gonna pan out. But here's the other reason why Hillary lost. And I'm going, to play, I'm going to play a short clip for you from our still current president, Barack Obama.
3: I know that there are millions of Americans who are content with their health care coverage. They like their plan. And most importantly, they value their relationship with their doctor. They trust you. And that means that no matter how we reform health care, we will keep this promise to the American people. If you like your doctor, you will be able to keep your doctor. Period. If you like your health care plan, you will be able to keep your health care plan. Period. No one will take it away, no matter what.
0: The Democrats were told in no uncertain terms a lot of people. Do not want Obamacare. Well before it was passed, while it was still being discussed, the message was clear: If you do this, there will be political repercussions. Now look, it should go without saying that I'm no fan of Obamacare. Is it because of this particular provision or this particular aspect? No. No, no, no. don't Don't try. And trap me in, in the political argument because it's not going to work. I don't like Obamacare because I don't like government meddling in private affairs. And my decision to buy health care is my decision. Not anyone else's. And that applies to everything across the board. I'm 100% consistent on that. Everyone listening to this show knows that. It's not a Democrat or Republican thing for me, but it is if you happen to be a Democrat or a Republican. And to then, after you pass this deeply unpopular piece of legislation to turn around and call people a basket of deplorables who don't want to vote for someone just because she's a woman. No, it's because you're walking arm in arm across the stage with the guy who passed the most unpopular piece of legislation in living memory. And the politicians know this. That's why the Republicans bring it up and the Democrats can't, you can't get a statement from them about Obamacare. I mean, did you hear Hillary Clinton talking about the Affordable Care Act at all during the campaign? Did you hear any of the Democrats talking about it at all? Other than maybe to say that it needs to be uh, expanded and improved upon? Nobody was just defending it as is because it's radioactive it's radioactive that's why the republicans talked about it all the time they know and um, americans are they are very stupid but they're not brain dead yeah i know i just called people stupid but i'm not running for office i can do that most people are really stupid that's just a fact Maybe I just have a bad definition of stupid. Whatever. They're not brain dead. They know. They can can identify numbers and colors. They know that the people with the blue. You know. The blue states. They did this. Those politicians did this. So they say oh. Blue bad. Me vote red. (laughs) Perhaps I'm being too ungenerous. That's the second reason. People didn't want Obamacare. It was it was rammed through Congress using, and look, I was working on Capitol Hill when this was passed, so I, I saw it day in and day out. I saw how it got passed. It was uh, chicanery. It was political chicanery of the highest order. It was not a normal legislative process. It was really sneaked in, and people don't like that. Even stupid people. The last reason, remember what I said about cause and effect? Well, I'm really I'm really digging deep on this one because I'm going all the way back to when Obama was running for office. And in fact, I'm going to go even further back than that. All the way back to when George W. Bush was running for office. I'm going to play back to back two clips from each of them during the campaigns, their respective campaigns before they won the presidency. And they both had a very explicit message. See if you can figure out what it is.
3: I will give our military a new mission on my first day in office, ending this war. Let me be clear. We must be as careful getting out of Iraq as we were careless getting in. We can safely redeploy our combat brigades at a pace that would remove them in 16 months. That would be the summer of 2010, one year after Iraqi security forces will be prepared to stand up, two years from now, and more than seven years after the war began.
2: Yeah, I'm not so sure the role of the United States is to go around the world and say, this is the way it's got to be. So I'm not exactly sure where the Vice President is coming from, but I think one way for us to end up being uh, viewed as the ugly American is for us to go around the world saying, we do it this way, so should you i just don't think it's the role of the united states to walk into a country and say we do it this way so should you it really depends upon how, the, how our nation conducts itself in foreign policy if we're an arrogant nation they'll they'll resent us if we're a humble nation but strong they'll welcome us and uh that's, our nation is uh, stands um, stands alone right now in the world in terms of power and that's why we've got, we've got to be humble if we're an arrogant nation they'll they'll view us that way, but if we're a humble nation, they'll respect us. Maybe I misunderstand where you're coming from, Mr. Vice President, but I I, I think the United States must be humble and must be uh, proud and confident of our values, but humble in how we treat nations that are figuring out how to chart their own course. Make make a couple of comments. Sure, absolutely, sure. Uh, Somalia started off as a humanitarian mission and then changed into a nation-building mission, and that's where the mission went wrong. The mission was changed. And as a result, our nation paid a price. And so I don't think our troops ought to be used for what's called nation building. You mentioned Haiti, I I wouldn't have sent troops to Haiti. I didn't think it was a mission worthwhile. It was a nation building mission. I, I think what we need to do is convince people who live in the lands they live in to build the nations. Maybe I'm missing something here. I mean, we're gonna have kind of a nation-building corps from America? One of the problems we have in the military is we're in a lot of places around the world. And I mentioned one, and that's the Balkans. I'd very much like to get our troops out of there. If we don't stop extending our troops all around the world uh, in nation-building missions, then we're gonna have a serious problem coming down the road, and I- I'm going to prevent that. I'm concerned that we're overdeployed around the world. I don't want to be the world's policeman. I want to be the world's peacemaker. Your question was deployment. The force must be strong enough so that the mission can be accomplished and the exit strategy needs to be well defined.
0: I bet you forgot about that, didn't you? That's a deep cut back from the Bush v. Gore debate. Of course, you heard before that um, Obama talking about how he was going to make sure that he got us out of the war by what was it? The summer of 2010. How'd that work out? Now, I'm not saying that the people who voted for Trump are familiar with the clips that I just played. I'm sure some of them are, but most of them probably aren't. There is a long-standing tradition amongst American voters to vote for the candidate of peace. I know that is difficult to believe. It's hard to swallow. I had to convince, I have to reconvince myself of it regularly because it's so at odds with american foreign policy s- almost forever but certainly since the 20th century forever in the context of 1776 i suppose um so that's why is hillary clinton represented more of the same she represented um corporatism and and the ugliest side of it, which is warmongering, look, big government has been cozying up to big business since before America was a nation. It's, that's nothing new. And what people have said for hundreds of years in almost every nation around the world and almost every time is we do not want to fight in wars. You could find exceptions. I'm well aware of them, but generally, 99% of the time, people will vote for the person who promises peace. It's simple as that. Hillary Clinton went up there and she thought that being hawkish and aggressive was going to, if I was you know, going to put myself in the mind of a Democratic strategist, I think they were afraid that a female president in a You know, we've been at war for how long now? Since 2003, so 13 years. They were concerned that a female president would be seen as weak compared to a man. So they really played up how hawkish she is, or maybe they didn't. Maybe she really is that hawkish. Either way, it was the wrong message. People are tired of these wars. That's why they voted for Obama. And it's why they voted for Bush before that, not because of these wars. Obviously, I have a history book. They weren't voting against the Iraq War then because it didn't exist yet. They were voting against the idea of whatever war might come. Now, you can point to the fact that there was huge fervor and huge favorability ratings when Bush led America into war. And that's true. I don't deny that. But that's always true. You can whip people up into into a fervor, uh, especially after something like a terrorist attack. I mean, come on. People are tired of it now. And I think that had a lot more to do with it than people are are mentioning. Trump talked about he's going to make a deal with Russia. Clinton's talking about brinksmanship, brinkmanship rather. Um, it's insane. I read just the other day that Russia just... Uh, Recently completed construction of a new nuclear missile, which can wipe out the area the size of, wait for it, Texas. One missile can wipe out Texas. Let that sink in. And then remind yourself, the name of the show here is Peace Propaganda. That is the overriding function of this show why I do what I do. That's why I when I used to vote, voted for candidates who promised relatively more peace than their counterparts. And that's why I think Trump won. I did not vote this election. You can you can hear in previous episode is voting okay that I believe that voting is immoral. But that doesn't stop me from analyzing why a vote went the way that it went. And it's Perfectly clear to me that Clinton lost because the Democrats and and the liberals and leftists have been browbeating people into agreeing with them, been hurling insults and not engaging uh, on an intellectual level. That's the first reason. Second reason is Obamacare. People did not want it, and it is showing itself. To be the disaster that people predicted it would be based on solid economic arguments. You can't. Well, that has been rehashed over and over again. I think people know why Obamacare is not working at this point. And the third reason is war. People are sick of war. So that's the show this week. Well, I shouldn't say this week because I don't do weekly shows anymore apparently. But that's the show. I hope you enjoyed it. I've been pretty active on Twitter lately. Um, You can follow the show at Peace Podcast on Twitter. Uh, I'd love to talk to you there. If you disagreed with anything that I said here, if you want to add something, definitely reach out to me there. Um, You can also reach the show by um, going to voluntaryinstitute.org and clicking on the Contact Us tab. That will send it directly to my email. Even if it seems like I'm not putting out shows regularly, I assure you I do check the email. I get notifications on my phone, which is on me all the time. If you want to reach out to me, that's the best way. Um, either Twitter or the contact us page on voluntaryinstitute.org. Thanks for listening to the show. I'll see you soon.
2: Software version 7.0.
3: Looking at life through the eyes of a tire